right. Again, welcome to Refuge Fellowship. Glad to see everyone here. I'm excited. We're going to do things a little bit different today. Um, I thought as we begin a new chapter here in Chiang Mai that I would really like everyone to kind of get to know each other a little bit. And we have began uh, children's ministry, as many of you know. We've also began youth group. And so as we begin this, I thought it would be important for you guys to start to get to know the people that are leading these different ministries. So many of you have entrusted us to teach your children in children's ministry. Well, I would like Laura to come up here and introduce herself to all of you. And she's just going to share for about five minutes. I'm not even sure what exactly. She's got something planned. But I thought it would be really important for us as a fellowship to try to get to know some of the team members. So please welcome Laura. Hi, everyone. Not sure I have quite five minutes worth. But for those of you I haven't met, my name is Laura Shemeka. Um, I just recently, I moved to Chiang Mai in the, in the beginning of June to join the refuge team. So I'm pretty new on the team. I wasn't with them in Myanmar. But I got to know the Moons when I was visiting Myanmar on a short-term trip. So that's kind of how that connection happened. My home church is actually in St. Cloud, Florida in the USA. That's where I grew up. And I was actually raised in a Christian home. So I... I can't tell you how, what an impact that having Christian parents and discipleship in my church at a young age had on me, um, laying that foundation for my faith and giving me the understanding of who God is so that I could have a personal relationship with him. And so that's part of why I'm so passionate about children's ministry and so excited to be here and working with many of your kids. Um, here at Refuge, you have probably heard already and will notice in all of our ministries, we really emphasize the teaching of God's word and the importance of being in scripture. And that's why we study through the Bible verse by verse. So you guys do that in here on for the Sunday service. And we're also doing that with the kids. So right now we're studying in the Old Testament. We started at the book of Genesis and we're just going to go through um, verse by verse, learning from God's word. Um, Today we're going to be learning about Cain and Abel, so literally just going through um, verse by verse and trying to lay that foundation for kids at a young age so that they can understand who God is and then pursue a close and personal relationship with him for the rest of their lives. So we have a lot of fun, and we also do some scripture memory and some different things to um, help them remember what we've learned. So... I'm really thankful and excited to be here and to be working with your kids, and I really appreciate you entrusting them to me. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. So again, uh, I encourage you to get to know Laura. She's just an amazing, amazing person, uh, just amazingly solid in God's Word and amazingly gifted at both teaching and in leading worship. So I encourage you to get to know her a little bit. Uh, We're excited to have her here. yeah, and I'd love to, she'd probably love to share her story of how she ended up here in detail, uh, which would take some time because it's actually very interesting because she was supposed to join us in Myanmar. So, very interesting story. Uh, next person I'd like to introduce this week is Christian. Now, most of you have all met Christian, um, but I thought as he leads, he's our leader for worship and also our youth leader. So as many of you have attended the youth service, but the parents are like, I wonder who this guy is. This is my thoughts. I hope you thought that, honestly. <laughs> I hope you did. So I thought, what better way to get to know who Christian is, is let's have him share a message today. So you can hear him teach and get an idea of maybe what he's teaching on youth group. And so I want to invite him up, and he is going to lead the service today. And I 
please just pray for him as he leads the service. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you had a great week. Excited to be able to share with you from God's Word this week. Before we get started, let's pray. Let's commit this time to the Lord, and then we'll get into God's Word together. Father, thank you so much, Lord, as we can just come before you. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to study your Word. Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to read your Word, God, to be able to hear from your Spirit, Lord, and to be able to learn more about who you are and what you've done for us. Father, as we study your word, I just pray you'd speak to us. We just invite your presence here, Lord. Be glorified in our time together and just do an awesome work. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us since we moved to Chiang Mai, we started going through the Gospels chronologically. So we've only been doing it for a few weeks, as we've only been here for maybe a couple months. So if you remember last week, we were in Luke chapter 1. We were looking at verses 57 through 80. And we were studying the birth of John the Baptist, right? And we saw God's promise to Elizabeth fulfilled. God had promised Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, that they would have a a child, and that that child would prepare the way for the Savior, for the Messiah. And so we saw that promise fulfilled last week. Verses 67 through 79 of Luke chapter 1, we looked at a prophecy and a prayer made by John's father, Zechariah. And if you remember, there were two main points we looked at last week. The first point was, are we thanking the Lord for all that He's done for us? Are we remembering that God has delivered us? Are we thankful for what God has done for each one of us? The second point we looked at was, we are to serve the Lord without fear. We're to serve the Lord in holiness and in righteousness. These were the two main points we learned about last week. So now as we continue this story chronologically, we're actually going back to the story of Mary. We're going to read about the birth of Jesus today. And at this point, Mary is pregnant with Jesus, soon to give birth. And we're actually going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 1 today. We're going to be in two places. We're going to be in Matthew and Luke, but we're going to start in Matthew. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. Now, if you remember, Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to give birth to God's son, Jesus, right? And Mary was obedient to this calling, right? She embraced it. She didn't argue with it. She wasn't questioning it. She embraced this calling that God had given her to bear his only son. However, Mary was to be married, right, to Joseph. So we're going to read about his response to this in verse 18. So if you're following along, let's look at Matthew chapter 1. We'll start in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So we're first introduced to Joseph here. And through Scripture, we can learn a little bit about Joseph, who he was, what he did. We know that Joseph was a carpenter by trade. We learn this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. And if you are familiar with carpenters in Asian cultures, they don't make a lot of money, right? It's a very low-income job. And back in the Jewish days, a carpenter was most likely poor, right? It was a very low-income job. We also know through the beginning verses of Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus, we learn that Joseph was a descendant of King David, right? He was from the tribe of Judah. What else do we learn about him? Well, we learn that he was betrothed to Mary. Now, in the Jewish culture, there were three parts to the wedding. 
First was the engagement, right? First was the engagement. Second was the betrothal. And third was the actual marriage and the ceremony for that marriage. Now, in the betrothal, which is where we find Joseph and Mary, they were legally husband and wife, right? The vows were confirmed to each other. This was before the wedding ceremony, but they were legally husband and wife. Now, the only way that a betrothal could be broken was if the bride was found to not be a virgin, right? That was the only way a betrothal could be broken. So we read here in verse 18 that Mary is found to be with child. She's pregnant. Let's see how Joseph responds to this in verse 19. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, before we get into Joseph's response, we get more details about him. He was called a just man, right? Joseph was described as a just man. Now, in the Greek language, this word just, it means someone who observes the law. Someone who is considered to be God-fearing, righteous, right? They live in a way that is right. They fear God. And any time I read about someone described in the Word of God, I have to ask myself, how would I be described? How would you be described? If someone was writing about you, would you be described as someone who fears God? Someone who follows what is right and lives a holy life? Because this is who God desires to use. Someone who fears Him. Someone who lives for Him. And unfortunately, in the church today, the fear of God is severely lacking. That respect and that reverence and the lordship of who Christ is, is lacking today. Right? God desires to use one who fears and respects and reveres him for who he is. Now, Joseph was not very comfortable hearing that Mary was pregnant, and this is quite understandable, right? I want you to put yourself in Joseph's position for a minute. I'm sure Mary was very beautiful, Right? I'm sure Joseph was very excited to, to marry her. And then she just comes home one day and she says, hey, I'm pregnant. But not only am I pregnant, I'm pregnant with God's son. If I were Joseph, I'd be like, you're crazy. Well, you're pregnant with God's son? How does that even happen? Right? I'm sure Joseph was very uncomfortable upon hearing this news. And Joseph was not comfortable in going through with this marriage. Right? He wanted to break this marriage off. He didn't understand what was going on. He didn't want any part in it. Now, if you notice, it says that Joseph wanted to put her away secretly. Now, the reason this is, is because in Jewish culture, if a bride was found to not be a virgin before the wedding ceremony, that bride would more than likely be stoned. Right? So Joseph, he truly did love Mary. And even though he didn't want to go through with this marriage, he definitely did not want to see her get stoned. So let's see what happens next. Let's go ahead and read verses 20 through 23. It says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, as Joseph was decompressing here, right, he was thinking about everything that happened, an angel appeared to him in his sleep. 
right? This would be crazy. I couldn't imagine what this would be like, an angel coming to you. Right? I'm sure it would be maybe scary, as we read most people in the Bible are very fearful upon seeing an angel, very startled or surprised. But this angel appeared to Joseph, and this is incredible. The angel invited Joseph in to this opportunity to share in this promise of Jesus. And this is what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at three examples of being invited into this promise of Jesus Christ. And our first example is Joseph. Joseph was invited into this calling and to share in this promise of Jesus. The angel told Joseph, don't be afraid. This is an act of God. This is from the Holy Spirit. Right? And all this was done to fulfill prophecy. We see this in verse 22 and 23. This prophecy was back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where the Messiah was prophesied to be born of a virgin. God was fulfilling his word to his people Israel. And this is a great reminder for all of us. Our God keeps his word. Right? I'm sure for Israel it was very hard, and I'm sure they lost sight many times of this promise since this was prophesied. But God keeps his word. God is faithful. He always brings to pass what he says he will bring to pass. Our God never breaks his word. And Israel's hope was in Jesus, right? This is who they were waiting for. And nothing has changed for us today. This is where our hope lies. It's in Jesus Christ. Trusting in his promises, trusting that he is faithful and that his word is the truth. So Joseph's invited into this calling. How does he respond to it? Let's look at verses 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. This is incredible. Joseph got up from his sleep and what did he do? He did what he was commanded to do. You know, again, I got to just put myself in Joseph's position. This was an uncomfortable calling. You know, even if an angel came to me and reassured me that this was an act of God, I'm sure this was still very uncomfortable for Joseph. Having to raise a son his whole life that wasn't his, right? Raising God's son, that's no small calling right there, right? I'm sure this was uncomfortable for him. I'm sure he was still a little confused. I'm sure things still didn't make sense to him. But I want to draw your attention to how Joseph responded. He obeyed. He didn't argue with this calling, right? He didn't ask God to give this calling to someone else. No, he embraced this calling of God. Why? Because I'm sure he saw this as a privilege and an honor to be invited into this high calling, to be invited into this promise of Jesus. It was an honor and a privilege. What about us today? What is it in your life that God is calling you to do? Maybe it's uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's difficult. Maybe it's a little inconvenient for you. Maybe it stretches you beyond what you're comfortable with. What is it that God is calling you to do? And how are you responding to this call? Again, Joseph, I'm sure, saw this as an honor and a privilege. Is that how you see the calling of God? Because it is an honor to serve him. He doesn't need any one of us in here. Right? Our God is independent. He can do whatever he pleases. Right? If Joseph said, Lord, I'm not doing this, guess what? God didn't need Joseph, did he? He was still going to fulfill prophecy. Still, his will was still going to be done. He didn't need him. He doesn't need any of us in here, but he wants us. He invites us in. And it truly is an honor and a privilege to serve him. 
But this is what we need to do, obey God with an urgency. So whatever it is God is calling you to do, I challenge you, embrace this calling and don't see it as a job, don't see it as an obligation, see it as it is, an honor and a privilege to serve our God. We're going to continue the story in the Gospel of Luke. So turn over there to Luke chapter 2. You're going to see what happens next. After Joseph took Mary, right, as his wife, let's see what happens next. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now this command that went out was throughout all the regions under Roman territory. Right? The Roman Empire was very organized. Right? They were a little more sophisticated than past empires and nations. And the Romans did this so they could tax the people. Right? This is why they had this census done. So in order for the census to work, every man with his family had to return to the city or town that he was born in. And again, this was for the sole purpose of taxing the people. Now, we're going to get into verses 4 through 5. So let's go ahead and see what happens with Joseph and Mary. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So we're back to Joseph now. Now, Joseph lived in Nazareth, which, if you're unfamiliar with Nazareth, it's northern Israel. And he was from the town of Bethlehem. Again, he was from the tribe of Judah, of the house of David, right? So he was from Bethlehem. And this was about roughly 70 to 80 miles between Nazareth and Bethlehem. For those of you in kilometers, it was around 140 kilometers. No, no small distance, right? It's not like today where you can hop in a car and be there in an hour and a half. This was travel had to be done on foot, right? Now, I want to draw your attention to why this is so necessary and important and why this is even included in the Bible that this census took place. Because all prophecy regarding Jesus is fulfilled by Jesus, right? And the reason it's important to note that Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem is because it was prophesied in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And so I'm sure this was very inconvenient, very stressful for Joseph and Mary, especially since Mary was almost to the time of giving birth. Right? A very inconvenient time, but God was using it. He was using it to bring his word to pass. He was using it for his glory. Right? I'm sure Joseph and Mary didn't quite understand that the reason this was happening was for prophecy to be fulfilled. Right? But God was using it. And if you look at our current situation around the world today, we've been talking about it for the past few weeks. Right? All the craziness going on around us. And many times we wonder, is God really using this? Is he using this craziness? Yeah, he is. He is. He uses all things, the Bible says, for our good and for his glory. What do we need to do? We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful to him, right? But he is using this just like he was using this inconvenient travel for Joseph and Mary. Let's look at verses 6 through 7. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger 
because there is no room for them in the inn. We see Mary's time was here to give birth, right? She gave birth to Jesus. Now, what I find fascinating about this, right, is you read this, and it says there was no room for them, so that Mary had to go give birth in a manger, right? You know, we don't need to over-spiritualize this, but at the same time, I think there's a good lesson for us here, right? This Savior that Israel had been waiting for, this Messiah that they have been longing for for thousands of years was being born right in front of them. And what happened? They didn't have room for him. They didn't have room for him, right? They were so caught up in the craziness and the chaos of everything going on. It was busy. People were coming in. And they were getting so blindsided by everything going on that they were blind to Jesus being born right in front of them. This is amazing to me. Right? This is amazing to me because this is who they've been waiting for. Thousands of years. Right? This is their Savior, their Messiah, right there in their own town, right? And they were blind to it. There's no room for Him. How true is this for us today? So many times we become blind to the promises of God because of the things going on in this world around us. How many times do we lose sight of the hope that we have in Jesus and the promise of eternal life that we have in Him and we lose sight of it because we're so caught up with the things going on around us? Many times we allow the current situations of this world to dictate our faith and that's never biblically justified, is it? That's never biblically justified. Despite everything going on around us, it should never hinder our hope in Jesus. It should never hinder the commission that we have in Jesus to go out and share the gospel. When we allow the things of this world to dictate our faith, we're going to lose sight and become blind to the promises of God. So what are you losing sight of in the Lord? Are you losing sight of His promises? Are you losing sight of the peace and the hope that we have in Jesus? Are you allowing everything going on around us in this world to drown out your faith in the Lord? What is it in your life? What are the distractions that Satan is using right now to blindsight you to what God is doing? Let's look at verses 8 through 9. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So our last story we're going to look at today are these shepherds, right? I told you in the beginning that we're looking at three different examples. The first was Joseph being invited to share in this promise of Jesus. The second we just read about was the city of Bethlehem being invited in to share in the promise of Jesus, and they were blind to it. And our third story for today are these shepherds, right? These shepherds out in the fields. Now, shepherds were like carpenters back in the day, and they were mostly poor, right? Being a shepherd was not a high-income trade. And it was said historically, this isn't biblically, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> right? It said historically that the shepherds in Bethlehem were actually shepherds for temple sheep. Right? So the sheep they took care of would be offered into the, the temple as a sacrifice. Now the reason that these shepherds are different is because the sheep that would be sacrificed had to be perfect. They had to be blameless. Right? They couldn't be too skinny. They couldn't be too fat. Couldn't have a mark or a defect on them, right? They had to be perfect. So this would take a lot more attention, right? You'd have to be a lot more cautious with these sheep. 
And it's believed highly that that's what these shepherds were. Now, verse 9 tells us that an angel appeared to these shepherds and God's glory was shining around them. And they were greatly afraid. So like we read with most people in the Bible, when an angel comes before them, more than likely they're very afraid. Right? I could imagine myself in their situation. I also would be greatly afraid if an angel came to me. Right? Out in the middle of the night, I would think I'm hallucinating. Right? Because it's late. And I'm out there with sheep all day. I would think I was crazy. Right? But an angel comes and God's glory is shining around him. It's a very fearful thing. Right? Let's see what this angel says to him. Let's go ahead and look at verses 10 through 12. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This angel brought a message to these shepherds, and this angel told them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, right? This angel brought a message of peace and of joy because the angel's message was about Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. This message has not changed today. Our hope, our peace, it still comes from Jesus Christ. And what this angel said to the shepherds still applies to us today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because your Savior is here. Your Lord is here. Who you've been waiting for is here. This has not changed for us today. Christians are not called to cower in fear. If you remember last week, we were taught how to serve God without fear. Right? When the world looks at us and they see the hope and the joy and the peace that we have in Jesus, that's what's going to draw them to the Lord, right? When the world looks at us and they see the same fear That they're drowning and they see that within our hearts. They don't see a difference within us. We have hope. We have joy. And let me tell you something. This world is thirsty right now for the gospel. They're dying and starving for it. They're starving for hope. They're starving for peace and joy. And you know what? We have the answer. It's not ourselves. It's not anything that we can do. It's in Jesus Christ. But back to the verses here. These angels tell... The shepherds, where they can find this Savior, right? They tell them that this Savior could be found in the city of David in Bethlehem. And it tells them how they will find this Savior. Now, this is fascinating to me because I've always wondered reading this. Why? Why shepherds? Why, why would God just randomly appear to some shepherds? Why wouldn't he appear to the innkeeper in Bethlehem? Why wouldn't he appear to a lawyer? <laughs> why shepherds? What's unique or special about these shepherds? I just don't understand. And, you know, we might not know that the answer to that, right? Maybe God just desired to appear to these shepherds. It's fascinating, though, because if you study the historical context, shepherds were not to be trusted in the court of law. They were not to be trusted as faithful witnesses. Now, there were several reasons for this. One, shepherds oftentimes were considered to be dishonest, right? Because if you had a dishonest shepherd... Many times they would steal from other flocks and put it in their flock, right? Some were dishonest. Some were very uneducated and just weren't all there up here, right? Regardless, many times shepherds were not to be trusted as a a witness in the court of law. And this could be the reason that God called these guys to be a witness of the birth of Jesus. We see a similar example of this at the resurrection of Jesus. 
The first people who hear that Jesus is resurrected, the first people who are told to take the message back to the disciples were women. And women were not to be trusted in the court of law. They were not allowed to speak as a witness in the court of law. And this could be the reason God did this, to show that he's going to break down these cultural barriers that men have set up to establish his kingdom. Because in Jesus Christ, we're all viewed as one, equal. Right? God's kingdom surpasses the cultures and the things of this world. He transcends and he supersedes the cultures and societies of man. We're part of God's kingdom. This could be the reason why he appeared to angels. Another reason is if these shepherds were temple shepherds, right, attending to these sheep to be sacrificed, it could be that God was calling them away, right, to show them that the ultimate sacrifice is here, right? These sheep are not going to save you, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is going to save you. Again, these are just thoughts. These aren't biblical, right? Take it as you wish. Could be that God just wanted to appear to some shepherds. Praise the Lord. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So this, this uh, encounter with the angels, it gets to become even more amazing, right? Even more spectacular. Now an entire host of angels, I don't know how many angels that was, could be hundreds, could have been thousands, I, I don't know, right? But all these angels, they appear and they start to, to say this incredible praise, right? They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This was, I'm sure, something incredible to witness, right? Again, I don't know what it'd be like. I'm sure it was incredible and I'm sure the shepherds were just blown away by this. But now, again, as we looked with Joseph, as we looked with Bethlehem, how did the shepherds respond to this, Right? How do the shepherds respond to this? Well, let's see what happens next. Let's look, at, let's look at verses. Let's look at verse 15. It says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds did not wait, right? Just like Joseph, they said, Okay, let's go. Let's go see this Savior. They were invited into sharing this promise of Jesus, and they embraced it. They accepted it, right? They went with excitement to see Jesus. They obeyed the word that God gave them and the calling that God had invited them into. And again, i got to ask the question, what is it God is calling you to do in your life? What is it that God has commanded you to do? What is it in your life? And are you responding with the same obedience that Joseph showed, the same obedience that these shepherds showed? They didn't wait. They went immediately, right? They went with an urgency to obey God. Let's look at verses 16 through 17. It says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph in the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. I want to draw your attention to the word haste. I'm not sure what your translation says. The New King James Version says they went in haste, right? This means they went immediately. They went as fast as they could. They weren't holding back. They weren't restraining. They were running to see the Savior. They were excited, right? I'm sure a little fearful. 
But they ran as fast as they could to go see this Savior, to go witness this promise of God fulfilled right in front of their eyes. What a great example. When we obey the Lord, we are going to see His promises unfold right before us. Always. Always. Even if the calling of God seems difficult, even if it seems like it's too much for us, right? We're always going to see God prove Himself to be faithful. You know, I think of when I came to, to Myanmar to serve with the moons. You know, I went for one month. I had maybe just very little money, maybe $100, three changes of clothing. I was going to stay for a month, go back to the States. No supporters. And when I got there, I just prayed, and the Lord just called me to stay. I was like, Lord, I have no money. And he said, stay. I was like, Lord, I have no clothes. He said, stay. I was like, Lord, I have no supporters. And he said, stay. And so I stayed, and since then, God has provided every single one of my needs. Never have I lacked anything. Never lacked money. Never lacked clothes. My shoes have never worn out on me. God has provided every single one of my needs. Why? Because I'm good? No, because he's good. Why? Because I'm faithful? No, because he's faithful. When we obey the Lord, he's always going to prove his faithfulness to us. Not because he has to. He doesn't have to prove anything to us. But because God is so good to us, right? He is so good to us. And every time we take a step of obedience and a step of faith, he will always reward that. So where is your trust? Where is your hope? God is faithful. Even in the difficult situation we're living in today, God has not changed. He is who he says he is. Now, I want to draw your attention here to verse 17. It says, Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. These shepherds did not shy away from the message that they received, but they went out and they shared about this Savior. They went out and they shared about Jesus. They were proclaiming with joy the promise of God to the world around them. Right? In a time where I'm sure it was very stressful for the people. They were under Roman, the Roman Empire. Right? Very crazy time. They were under severe oppression. And these shepherds went out with a message of joy. A message of peace. I'm sure this was really foreign to the people in this city and in the world around them. And what about the world around us today in a world full of suffering, in a world full of hate and sorrow and hopelessness? The world is, is hungry and it's thirsty for Jesus. Jesus said all the way back when he was on the earth, he said the harvest is plentiful. That hasn't changed. The harvest is plentiful. There are people starving for the gospel around us. They are thirsty. They are looking for something to fill the emptiness in their heart. And they're going to take whatever comes their way. Suicide, depression, anxiety, right? This is what the world is, is thinking that's going to fill this emptiness in their heart. But we have the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who could fill this emptiness. Jesus is the only one who could bring joy, right? The promise that we have in Jesus is the only thing that could ever satisfy. These shepherds, they went out and they shared. They didn't care if their witness wasn't approved. They didn't care what people thought. They were going out and they were sharing with joy the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the same commission, each one of us. If you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are commissioned to go out and share the gospel. Many times people say, oh, it's not my calling. Oh, and I, you know, God's not calling me to do that. Maybe he's calling him or her to do that. But he's not, sharing, he's not telling me. I'm not good talking to people. No, he's commissioned each one of us to go out and share the gospel. 
It is all of our responsibility to go out and share the hope of Jesus. Right? The shepherds were commissioned, were commissioned as well. Let's look at verses 18 through 20, our last verses for the day. It says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Again, I want to draw your attention that the shepherds went out and they shared this gospel. And look how the people responded. It said they marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Right? They were blown away. They never heard anything like this. Right? What, our Savior is here? Wait, there is a way to be forgiven of our sins? Our Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, is here? The one who could bring peace to our empty hearts is here? The world marveled. Again, are you doing what these shepherds went out to do? Are you sharing the hope of Jesus? Again, it's very easy to get blindsided by the things of this world. And I'll say this, and I'm not afraid to say this, God's church is not called to lay low. God's church is not called to lay low. God's church is not called to give in to fear and to close their doors. God's church is not called to be ignorant to sharing the gospel of Christ. Right? God's church is not called to wait until next month to see if things get better. Do you think it's a coincidence that churches are to close? Do you think it's a coincidence that Satan does not want people in fellowship and that he does not want the gospel going forth? It's no coincidence. And if we think things will get better, we're fooling ourselves, aren't we? God's word is right in front of us. We have the commission to share the gospel. We have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. We have the answer. We have the peace, the joy, the hope, the promises of God. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when this world sees the difference in us, when they see the joy and the peace of Jesus in us, that's the difference they're going to marvel at, just like they did when the shepherd shared this word with them. So let me conclude with this. Today we looked at three examples in Scripture. We looked at the example of Joseph. We looked at the town of Bethlehem. And we looked at these shepherds. Each one were invited in to share in the promises of God, to share in the promise of Jesus. With Joseph, he had a rather uncomfortable calling, right? He had a rather, you know, confusing one. But he embraced this opportunity, this calling. He embraced it, and he embraced this promise of God. He was faithful, and God honored it and blessed him. The city of Bethlehem, a little different. They were blind to this promise of God, right? Instead, they were so blindsided and focused on the chaos and the craziness going on around them that they lost sight of the hope that was right before them. Our last example were the shepherds, right? People who were most likely regarded as social outcasts, right? They embraced this promise of Jesus. They were excited and they went out and they shared the hope of Jesus, with all these examples, we have the same invitation from God to share in His promise of hope, to share in His promise of eternal life, and to share this hope, and to share this peace with the world around us. So how are you responding to the promise of God? How are you responding to the calling of God in your life? Because this should affect the way we live our lives. It should affect the way we witness and the way that we live for Jesus. So are you, is your eyes fixed on the promise of God or is your eyes fixed on fear? Is it fixed on everything going on around you? Are you blindsided to what God is doing in your life? Let's pray and then we'll continue to worship. 
Father, just thank you, Lord, as we read this. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, our hope has not changed. Our hope in Jesus. He still is our Savior. He is our Messiah. He is our Lord. Father, I thank you that our hope in Jesus cannot be taken from us. It cannot be killed. It cannot be stolen. Lord, our hope, our faith, and our trust is in Jesus. Father, I pray you just give us an urgency, Lord, to go out and share the gospel with all those around us, Lord, that we would share the hope and the joy and the peace that we have in your son, Jesus, to this world around us. Lord, just thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, as we continue to worship you, bless our time, Lord. Be glorified and do an awesome work, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.